millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined in the studio by legendary West Indies fast bowler, Michael Holding has written a very powerful mm. new book called Why We Kneel, How We Rise on the subject of race, um, really, that, that sprung from that uh, piece he did on Sky and the video that he made with uh, Ebony Rainford Brent. It's very powerful stuff. Mm, yep, very interesting. Uh, and so we uh, we recommend that to you. Um, we had a bit of a conversation about we various did, things. Yeah. And Martin Kellner found enough sport to talk about uh, this week, <laughs> unsurprisingly. No. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed the football this week when I've been off. And uh, Scotland really are the gift that go on giving, aren't they? I knew they wouldn't beat Croatia. And uh, I said, said Dave Tully. No sympathy in you? No, not really. I said, you can only play against us. Why don't you just play us? Just skip the rest of it. Just play England twice a year. Well, they were called the home internationals, weren't they? But Ugh. they did away with them. They were always good games. It was, it was disappointing, really, but not a surprise to me. It is odd the way that Scotland raised their game against England, but... That's it. So what can you do? Mm. In that game, in the uh, in the England game, it was really odd, though. There was no added time at, at half-time. No one said anything. I mean, there was a goal in the first half. That has to be 30 seconds at yeah. least. And it, right on 40, I just thought the referee must have needed a wee or something. It was a goal yeah. night. I think I, I, <laughs> really. I, 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 you do worry. Sometimes in the Champions League, you don't seem to get enough injury time. And I think it's but that was none. Going and to, there was a goal. Going to uh, global no one, ad breaks. No one says anything. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, mad. I'm sure that's not the case. Uh, Andy Murray is selling his winning moment at Wimbledon as a non-fungible token. What does that mean? It's just basically you buy this moment. You, you don't own the footage. You don't wow. own anything. But you own that moment. Do you want to sell? All well, of your... I want to. No, I want to sell off the moment Max realised that Wally Fawkes was ninety-seven. <laughs> Comes with a, a handwritten joke sheet from me. I'd pay good money. I pay good money for that. <laughs> it was brilliant. Somebody's. I've been on the show to explain <laughs> how you sell a moment uh, mm. as non-fungible tokens, but I've got to be honest. I didn't retain a word of it. No, I don't it's, understand it's, it. It's, it's an alien you're, concept. It's a bit to like Seinfeld. You're, you're basically buying nothing. Yeah. It's yes. about nothing. It's about nothing, but you're yeah. paying a lot of money for nothing, and somebody else will pay you the, more money for nothing mm. from your nothing. It's quite confusing. Well, it sounds good. Thank oh, you for that, that. Professor Jacobs. And uh, congratulations to George Osborne getting the uh, job at the British Museum. He's had more jobs than Neil Warnock. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I love jobs, me. How can one man do so many jobs? Yeah, it's, it's not possible. Is this is George it? Osborne who's the editor of the Evening Standard? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. It's not. If you look at the CV, I mean, what's he going to be doing at the British Museum? He's not putting that dinosaur back together, is he? What's he's, his, he's now what's the his boss. <laughs> He's the head of the British Museum. Yeah. 
Wow. I know. So that's, I mean, people don't normally take that route from uh, editor of a of a newspaper to boss of the British Museum from <laughs> Chancellor of the Exchequer. It's an interesting it's, career, it's amazing, isn't it? He'll be the manager of Middlesbrough next, won't he? It's <laughs> probably will yeah. be. Actually. I always like to work out how the Duke of Kent is getting tennis into his daily appointments. Well, he's not going to struggle next week, well, is next he? Well, next week is his cup final, isn't it? Literally. Yeah. But he, <laughs> yesterday he, was, uh, sp- he held a video meeting, uh, meeting via video link, hmm. with Colonel William Adcock upon the, relinquishing his appointment as honorary colonel and uh, Colonel Craig Heyman, oh, yeah. uh, upon assuming the appointment, he, he thought it was Craig Hemman. Ah, That's yeah. what it was. Heyman Hill. He always used to like watching it. You know we've got a big game between uh, England and Germany coming up, or indeed a big game yeah. involving England against mm. anybody because uh, dogs are wearing shirts and all the tabloid newspapers. <laughs> exactly, yeah. uh, we've got a whole litany of uh, dogs wearing, uh, wearing football shirts. Uh, Bulldog Buster, he's gone for the white shirt. Uh, Poodle Lily from Chelmsford in Essex, hasn't put an age for some reason, has gone retro with her kit. Uh, but Doodle... Um, he's hoping for a sterling performance as the golden doodle shows off a red top. So uh, that's very much happening in the <laughs> red tops at the moment. Dogs it's in quite a lot shirt. of shirt stuff about this. Some Wimbledon Next week players. we'll have a bloke who's basically put AstroTurf <laughs> in his living room, isn't he? Of course, yeah. There'll be that bloke, a German woman married to a, an English bloke or vice versa. They'll yeah. be well, they'll be interviewed, won't well, they? Possibly know. on this show. Got we're, not, we're not too proud. <laughs> no, no, definitely you can, not. You can basically work out every... You can tell us, listeners, every feature we're going to see between now and Tuesday Tuesday. You can give us some ideas we may even follow up on, but the ones you just know you're going to see ahead of uh, England, Germany. So do let us know. Talksport.com forward slash H&J and text to 81089 or tweet to TS H&J. And the producer and I were having a chat before the show. I was telling you about some of the letters I've accumulated this week about the football and about mm. the coverage. And it, what we find amazing is that when somebody, when there's a letter with a real error in it, how they just publish it anyway. Yes. And I can't quite see the point. Why don't they just go, well, this is completely wrong. And here's a great example of it. Uh, great to have the Euros on telly. Uh, Gabby Yarath, good laugh and banter, says G. White. Uh, same on ITV until that Bore Lineker comes on. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, but ITV. Oh, right. It's not on ITV, is he? And she's Gabby Logan. She's been, bore, she's been for about 15 years. <laughs> but it says here, same on ITV until Lineker comes on. Oh, OK. So the bloke thinks that I, Gary Lineker is on ITV. So why didn't the person who just went, well, I can't publish this letter, it's nonsense. OK. It? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, well at least you're on hand, Andy, <laughs> well, exactly to uh, right. edit them after the event, <laughs> which is uh, which is what oh, we no. want. Thank you very much. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. It's Paul Hawksby and Annie Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Well, uh, when legendary West Indies fast bowler turned commentator Michael Holding reacted powerfully and movingly to a short film during a rain delay on Sky Sports featuring him and fellow commentator and former cricketer uh, Ebony Rainford Brent following the murder of uh, George Floyd, he probably wasn't expecting such a huge reaction, both positive and negative. After Michael's uh, conversation with Ebony, Nasu Hussain and Ian Ward went viral, understandably, a number of high-profile sports people around the world reached out to him to tell him about their experiences of encountering uh, racism in both sport and life. And now Michael's shared a number of those stars' stories and spoken to others in his new book, Why We Kneel, How We Rise, and he's with us in the studio. Hi, Mikey, how are you? I'm pretty good, thanks, Paul. Thanks good, for having good, me. It's a great pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Andy, no, I was going to say, uh, I was interested actually, Michael, because I saw you talking yesterday. I only caught the end of an interview where you said you were you were fed up with talking about this. And, and I found that <laughs> yeah. quite surprising because you just written a book we about it. We were thinking, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> we're talking about cricket. But, uh, but, yeah. but you meant something different, didn't you? No, well, this is, this is going back since last year mm. when I did that interview with Mark on Sky, Sky News. Mm. And I told... Hendo, my boss, immediate boss at Sky Sky Cricket, that I didn't intend to speak to anyone else about it because people get the impression that you're talking about this thing is like describing a cricket game or a football game. Mm. It's not as simple as that. You know, it, it involves emotions. It's thinking about your parents and mm. what they went through, what you went through, what people that you know have gone through. And I intended to go no further. But of course, then people start to get in touch and all the positive feedback and people saying, no, you can't stop there, you have to keep going. And that's how the book came about. Mm. I didn't intend to go all that way. No. Did, you, did you feel a kind of responsibility as they started to reach out to you and sort of tell you their stories? Did you feel a responsibility to make sure they, they had their say? Sort of, but you've become a kind of reluctant lightning rod for this, if you like, for what happened on Sky, I think. But to be honest now, Paul, when, when I started speaking to these people, I didn't, still did not intend to write a book. When Thierry Henry called me, he called me within half an hour of me coming off Sky News. And we just spoke. Hmm. Afterwards, when I decided to do the book, then I started getting in touch with these people. Naomi Asaki reached out to us before we even started thinking about a book as well. And then I reached back out to Thierry and Naomi and these other folks and said, listen, the plan is to do a book because we want to educate people about this entire thing. This book is not going to be about complaints. And we said the same thing to the publishers who were interested in publishing it. This is going to be an educational piece. Sure, you have to visit the past because if you don't know the past, you can't know where it's coming from. But this is supposed to be educational. And these people, of course, agreed to come on board and you know, they are in the book, but they are not in the book to let people just read about experiences. I mm -hmm. could fill an encyclopedia of mm -hmm. people who have had bad experiences because of racism. A lot of them are in the book and all of them are in the book to let people recognize that it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how famous you are. Once you have brown skin, you're a victim. Is it fair to say that n no black person is unaffected by race? 
No, I wouldn't say no black person is unaffected by race. You know, I was unaffected by race before I left Jamaica. If you live in a white-dominated society, you're going to be affected by race. If you do not live in a white-dominated society, more than likely you won't be. There's one, I mean, the experiences, I think, do resonate and they do really make you think. There's the, the story that Thierry Henry tells of being being a well-known person mm. in this country and wherever he went, he'd go into a store, he'd get a taxi, do whatever he did. It, it's, oh, you know, good afternoon, Mr. Henry, how are you? Everybody knew he was, he was a kind of superstar. Yes. He goes to play in the States and he's in New York and he orders a, an Uber and the driver sees, basically pulls up, slows up, sees he's black and then pulls away again. <laughs> exactly. And he says to you, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 no one knows me here. Basically, I, I'm, I'm kind of back to square one. I'm just, I'm just another black man, he says to you. And that's a quite a, a real sobering thought, isn't it? It is. And, you know, that is part of the story that I'm trying to let people recognize because people will say how can you talk about racism and you have multi-millionaires that are that are black that doesn't mean they haven't suffered from racism and they are multi-millionaires or they have achieved because of the skill that they have got Thierry Henry is one of the best footballers ever just like you see in Bolt no one can run faster than you see in Bolt mm. you can't take that away from him so when he passes the post first you can't say no you're not getting gold medal because you're black <laughs> <laughs> but if people do not know you and are not aware of you, you'll go back to what people perceive. Yeah. An inferior person. And that is hurtful. Those experiences, mm. I mean, even, I know you've been doing some TV around this, and Andy Peters, a TV presenter, had said to you on air that, mm. you know, he'd be in a shop and he senses that he's being followed around and they'll say, oh, it's you, Andy. It's almost like, oh, that's all <laughs> that's right. Okay. Yes, because yeah. it's Andy or yeah. because it's Thierry. Thierry spoke about that as well. The first time he went to a store with his hoodie and nobody knew him because he had just come to England to play for Arsenal. Then he scores a hat-trick and he goes back and, oh, it's Thierry Henry. What can I do for you, Mr. Henry? Mm. That is the experience. Yeah. I'm not saying only black people have that experience, mm. but black people suffer that experience greatly and when Thierry said when I asked Thierry how he felt when the Uber driver did that to him he kind of shrugged his shoulder and said oh nothing I, I, I took the vaccine a long time ago but I could see in his face because mm -hmm. I'm doing this on Zoom and I'm seeing him and I can hear in his voice that it hurt but he's trying to put up a brave face and say no it's no big thing I've been there already I've been there done that I mean, you say, Mikey, and I think you believe this, that education is the way forward. Definitely. Certainly. But does it depress you, the reaction, for example, to diversity? They do, they do a routine like that, and they get a record number of complaints. And people <laughs> always do that. It's a bit like people who boo the knee. They say, oh, no, 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 I'm not racist. I'm just, you know, I don't like, the, I don't like being lectured on a Saturday night. We all know that's rubbish. Of we course. We know that people, people who objected that are racist. But that's what I'm saying to you. It, is it possible to educate these people? It is, Andy. It definitely is. I've had experiences where that is concerned. And I wrote about one in particular with, with a cameraman who works for Sky. He messaged me after watching. He wasn't even working on that particular game, but he was watching the game. And he messaged me and said to me, Mikey, listening to you and Ebony, I now understand what you're all talking about. And I am very glad and privileged to know that I never went through those sort of experiences. He had a confederate cap. He said he wore the cap because of the color and the shape. He didn't check into the history of the confederacy or, or the cap he was wearing. And when he saw us and listened to us, he threw it in the dustbin. He mm. said he will never wear it again. 
So that is a part of his education. But that is education to a degree. But what I want to do is to educate the masses as to the history of mankind. I want people to understand where racism came from, why it started, and how we can move beyond it. Yeah. Because when I was a young man growing up, I was taught a lot of falsehoods. I didn't know there were falsehoods. Mm. I was told Christopher Columbus discovered Jamaica. How, how are you going to discover a country that's already been there for so many years and people been living there and trading and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you discover it? If I found penicillin and injected myself, did I discover penicillin? It's been there. Did you tell me as a Christian that Jesus Christ is pale skin, blonde hair, blue eyes. It is impossible for somebody look, looking like that in that part of the world at that time. But that's the indoctrination and the brainwashing that was done yeah. to make sure that people had this superiority and inferiority feeling. Yeah. And that is what I want to get rid of. Re-educate people. Not just listening to somebody talk and recognizing, yes, something is wrong. I wanted to go right back into history and re-educate people. I, I sense... Like it's a subject you have thought deeply about mm. and researched because at your fingertips after that little 15-minute film with you and, and Ebony where you were able to call on the man who was so key in the, the, the development of the light bulb, yes. a black man, uh, and you also talked about a couple of Yale studies. These are things that you'd looked into. You know, this was not, you know, you were able to speak off the cuff but with, with knowledge because you would look at this subject them. deeply. Yeah, you know, as, as I said, you know, when I started to work on cricket, playing cricket, I read, read Louis Lamour books. <laughs> Cowboy <laughs> well, books. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but later on in life, you become a commentator, you're travelling around the world and, of course, you're not going to the disco as you used to. <laughs> yeah. So you, you go back to your hotel room and you start to read properly and mm. you read proper books and you do proper research into life and history and that sort of a thing. And that is when my education really started to grow. Was the, was the, sorry, Mike, was the Rebel Tour possibly a, a catalyst for, for some of that? Or, or was it before No, not that? really. No, not really. Even during the Rebel Tour. Because Rebel Tour was eight, early 80s. Mm. Even at that time, I knew what was happening in South Africa. I was aware of it. But I didn't know the, the full history. Mm. I knew about South Africa, and that's why I could never, ever go during the apartheid era. But it was... It, my real awakening came after that, slowly but surely, when I started, I said, to read proper books. But there was no one moment, there's no one sort of catalyst for any of this. No, it just, it just no, started to happen. No, and, and you know, the more you read, you think to yourself, what else has been hidden? Mm. What else have, have they not told me? What else have they not been teaching? And you start to explore more and more. We are in the middle of a pandemic, Paul and Andy. Do you hear about this British doctor who is supposedly the father of immunization and inoculation. It was done 50 odd years before him, but it was, the West was made aware of it by a slave, a black man. Oh. So he gets no credit. I can't pronounce his name because I've never ever heard his name called. They don't teach it. O-N-E-S-I-M-U-S. That's the name of the gentleman. He made the Western world aware of inoculations and immunization in Boston because smallpox was destroying Boston. He convinced his owner that this was the way to go, cut a healthy person, get some of the pus from an unhealthy person to put inside that cut so that the body gets accustomed to whatever is inserted and builds a resistance to it. Mm. 50 years later, you hear about this British doctor. He's supposed to be the father. He must be the stepfather, not the father. <laughs>
The, the history aspect, we're going to take a break, we'll come back and talk more mm. in a moment, but the history aspect of the book, apart from chatting to different sports people that reached out to you and the ones that you spoke to, there, there is a, a fascinating sort of history section in it. And it is troubling and awful at times and, and a hard read, but it is fascinating and enlightening as well. I mean, it's a really interesting section. And, I, you know, I would ask people to read it, but there will be people that, that won't want to read it. They won't I want am, to know, which is... I understand that. Mm. And uh, as I've said on so many occasions, people will read this book and think that I'm blaming the white race or blaming white people and I hate white people. No, I do not blame people for absorbing what they are taught. I can't blame myself for thinking that Jesus Christ was white with blonde hair and blue eyes. That's what I was taught. This back of this monitor is black. I was taught it was black. If later on I discover that black is not the color, I can't blame myself. I blame the entire system. That is why I say to people, racism is institutionalized. It is systemic. It is not you or I on the road. I have never had any problems on since this thing has started. Everybody I come up across on the road in England. Oh, Mikey, I like what I hear you saying on Sky. The people are not the problem. Mm. It's the system and the institutions that are the problem that created what we have got. Uh, Michael Holdings with us in the studio. Uh, his book is uh, Why We Kneel, How We Rise. And, we, and we'll look at some of the things, the positives, I think, that have come from that uh, conversation on, on Sky and uh, what he's found in, in writing the book. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit of cricket as well, but we'll chat more very shortly. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. You say, Mike, a couple of times you say, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not a book of moaning. It's not a gloomy book. It's a tough read, as we said at times, certainly the history section. And there's things, that, I mean, you say your sister said, you know, why did you send me this, Mike? I, th- I, didn't, I don't want to read stuff well, like this. Even you can't go back and read some of the passages in that history section. When, when you're going through the book, you know, you send it to the publisher and they do the editing and they check grammar and flow and that sort of thing, and then they send you back chapters. Some of those chapters I'll read once. If they send it back to them and they send it to me. I just hope they make the correction or the, or the change that I, that I asked for. I'm not going to read them again because some of those chapters are not healthy for anybody. I can imagine people going through that chapter and thinking, this man must be bitter. No, but it is real. But I don't want to read about that sort of history anymore, just like my sister. My sister, that sent it back. She's 78 years old. You know, my elder sister is 80 years old. So they would know a lot more about it than I would. Mm. So they don't want to know. But... It is something that has to be said because, as I said, you have got to understand where we're coming from because that's another thing that I get from, from people of my, of my colour. Black people tell me, oh, Michael, we're not going anywhere. It's hopeless. And I have to say to them, hey, look where we are coming from. Mm. We are making progress. It might be slow. But since the Black Lives Matter movement, since George Floyd, I've seen more movement. I've seen organisations and companies coming on board to suggest that things need to change. I've seen big organizations putting money forward, a lot in the US more than in the UK, which I'm a little bit surprised and disappointed about, but money is being put towards projects. Bank of America shouldn't make advertising. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) There is more dialogue. There is. Definitely. Definitely. Is that enough, though? I mean, are you... you, I mean, you say it's slow progress, but after this, after the process of writing this book, after all the fallout, all the feedback you've had since that that, um, TV appearance, 
do you feel do you feel more positive uh, than you did before? Definitely, definitely. That and that's from the conversations that I've been having. You know, as I said, the ordinary man on the street, I've had so much support from the ordinary man on the street. It's up to the institutions and the policy makers, mm. the people who have the power to make changes. It's up to them now to grasp this thing and say, yes, we need to do something. And, you know, I've, I've wrote about it in the book. I've spoken about it. I was disappointed to hear the British Prime Minister say he can't go back and edit history. History has already been edited. What we need to do is teach the full history so that people can understand the entire history of the human race and what we're all about and why this thing came about. What about booing the England players that take the knee? I mean, most people found that depressing if you've got a reasonable view of life, but there were a vast amount of people that were prepared to do this. Hiding really behind, as we talked before, that it's a political thing. I don't want to be yeah. lectured, I don't want gesture politics, blah, 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 blah. But in the end, the truth is that Gareth had to say, look, these players, this is what they believe in. They want you to support them. Yep. But And, and a lot of people did, but a lot of people didn't. Still, A lot of people still booing, and that is disappointing. But at the same time, and as I've said, I do not expect racism to just be quashed and you have go whatever length of time from now, there is no, absolutely no racism. Racism and crime, I compare them. You cannot get rid of crime. You'll always have crime. But the less you have in the society, the better off your society is going to be. And that is my attitude towards racism. I don't expect to convince every human being that whatever they are thinking and whatever they are doing is wrong. But the less people like that that you have, they will slowly but surely just succumb to the pressure of the, of the good people and the good things that are happening and they recede and they are in, in the background and that's where they need to be. What, what about mm. the negative responses you got to that broadcast, Mikey? Um, how did they filter through and what sort of form did they generally take? I did not get any negative response because I don't do social media. Perhaps <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of neg negativity on social media, but I don't see it. I got one letter out of all the responses that I ever got. One letter who, from a person who was, he wasn't even that negative because I just laughed and assured Mike Atherton a letter. I said something about, oh, you need to get over your, your problems with colonialism. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I just moved on from that. But yeah. apart from that, I have been fine. I have not had any negative feedback. As I said, so, social media might have. Some people on social media might be cursing me right now, but I won't see it. <laughs> what, about, what about racism within cricket? I mean, well, Ebony, Ebony you, talked you, about you, that, yeah. It's a shocking revelation. And and, uh, and we heard with a Yorkshire player saying that he felt this. I mean, it's, it's not just Afro-Caribbean. It's also yeah. the Asian community yep. feel this. It's disappointing, isn't it? To, it is very hear. disappointing. And... Ebony, I did a chapter on Ebony because Ebony was involved with me at the beginning. Mm. And when I finished the chapter and sent it to Ebony, she said, Mikey, I'm sorry. I do not want this going in the book because she was under pressure. She doesn't want the backlash. Yeah, She's a young woman. She has many years ahead of her trying to accomplish things. Mm. And she prefers not to be... And I understand totally. I would never, ever say, Ebony, this has to happen or what. I understand totally. But... What I know about her experiences, shocking, absolutely shocking. Just finally, Mikey, Wilfred Zaha, the Crystal Palace player, decided he doesn't want to take the knee anymore. He, he, he feels that it's not having the impact he would like. Les Ferdinand, uh, a QPR, has said a very similar thing. What, what, what's your attitude 
to that? My attitude is, me personally, I would take the knee forever. People are saying that they're taking the knee. It has no effect. No, there is nothing happening. Again, I will say they are wrong. You cannot say there is nothing happening because there, there is movement. People are saying they want to see more action. I want to see more action as well. But when you stop taking the knee, what does that do? You then take the focus off the project that we are on. This is a project. This is not something that you run a 100-meter sprint. This is a marathon. And if you take the focus off this marathon, eventually it will fade. Taking the knee does not detract from anything else. It's not a matter of taking the knee or. You can take the knee and. And that is what they need to recognize. I can understand that the frustration. They are saying, oh, I'm, why is this looking so silly? We're taking the knee and there, there is nothing happening. There are things happening. You might not be able to see it in front of your eyes, but things are happening. And it is the worldwide accepted gesture for supporting Black Lives Matter. And again, I'm not talking about the political movement. I'm talking about the three words. Yeah. It is a worldwide accepted gesture. So keep doing it. A man from Mars comes down here and see a football team or a cricket team or a hockey team taking the knee. They'll say, what is that all about? If nothing happens, they won't know anything is happening. Mm -hmm. Keep on doing it. Keep it in people's eyes. Keep the focus on, on the movement and we, progress will come. As I said, when I spoke to Mark on Sky News last year, I don't expect to see it. Something that, is, that has been going on for centuries can't disappear overnight. I'm not going to live 100 and odd years old. But we are talking about the future. We are talking about children to come. My parents sacrificed for me. We have to do things for the future. And that is all I'm saying to people. Do not think because you're not seeing immediate progress that nothing is happening. Mm. And keep taking the knee if you support it. Again, I want to tell people... I'm, like I'm lecturing no, no. I want to suggest to people <laughs> that if you do not support it, do not take the need to tick a box. That's all I'm saying. Michael, it's been, uh, mm. it's been good to see you as always. A, a, a powerful subject. It's a very powerful book. It's a very enlightening book and it's a difficult read at times, but unnecessary one. We wish you well with it. And Thank we you never got round to cricket, but we'll do that next time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we left the cricket on the side. That's good. <laughs> Michael Holding's book, Why We Kneel, How We Rise, is published by Simon & Schuster and is available now in hardback. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Have I got time to give this uh, charity football match a, a plug for tomorrow? Football match? Yeah, yeah of course you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's my old mate Pete Leet from the Bunburys. Yeah. Uh, everyone thinks he's Stig, but he isn't. No, okay. He's just made up by David English. <laughs> he yeah. was really. Yeah. And uh, Barry Fry, 11, uh, yeah. playing a Perry Groves. Can 11, I just say? Steve Fallon, mate. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. That's it's... the only. I can't do an extended <laughs> Barry Fry. I'm like. Tell Adrian. He always says that <laughs> whenever we see him. Yeah, he does, yeah. It's, um, it's for Addenbrook's uh, cardiology unit, so it's a very yeah. good cause. It's uh, uh, Gildon Morden Rec tomorrow from 12. The match starts at 2. So uh, there you go. Go and support it. If you live locally, go and support it. Yeah. And uh, before the football starts tomorrow. Yeah, you've got until five o'clock. You've yeah, got the afternoon. You can go and enjoy some and, grassroots. Uh, yeah, Pete's put a lot into this. He was hoping that I was going to play, but I can't make it. But uh, we should have gone in goal, couldn't you? Well, that's what he said the world's smallest keeper. But <laughs> what can you do? He's given us a nice t shirt to. Uh, sign and they're going to auction that at a nice later one. date. So okay, well, well, they good get, luck. They, they get a great turnout. Um, <clears> the world is currently looking for a man who's going to become a global a super, superstar because did you see this Danish fan carrying 12 pints? 
No. Have you seen the footage? No, no. It's quite. And not only that, he's got 12 <laughs> pints stacked up that he's carrying up sets of stairs to take back to his mates in the seats. <laughs> and he it's seems not, to have not a the hot... Marino, but do well do it at that rate. <laughs> he, has a, he has a hot dog sort of stuck between the the, really? the cardboard yeah so he's obviously somebody's so he's gone back to say so who wants a pint and 11 people have said yeah i'll have one george and oh can you get me george. hot dog as well george. but it's a honestly it's a, he, must, he must work at beer kellers or something the guy he's Probably, just the yeah. genius the way he does it and he's getting a few times he, as he goes past people on the stairs he gets a round of applause so uh well if they i think they're hunting him down to make him a global oh, superstar well. Well done to him. I was watching Bake Off the Professionals this week. Oh, I was really? producer about this. And it, not that it's a Euros on. Well, no. You, <laughs> know, you know me. I have, to, I have to divide my time. I actually was after the football. So, oh, okay, fair enough. And uh, it's very high standard. And there's two uh, brothers who are pastry chefs at mm. a top London hotel. But their dad was a, a bit of a football fan and a fan of Gary Lineker. Oh, yeah. So he named one of his sons after Gary. But he didn't call him Gary. He called him Lineker. That's his first name, Lineker. Lineker. It's amazing. Yeah. Lerick and Lineker. His brother says... Lerick. Lerick isn't even a name. Was he a fan of Lerick Sykes or... Lerick Lerick Dyer. Lerick Dyer. Lerick and Lineker. It sounds like some sort of act that used to be on the Paul Daniels show. They've come all the way from Croatia. They are tumbling at Lerick and Lineker. Incredible, really. A great story in the Sun this morning about... Uh, we'll ask Alex Meninga about this. Goalkeepers are now wearing these special sunglasses. Which oh, yeah. I thought this was an April Fool's story, really. Uh, special sunglasses that basically create a slow-motion effect by adjusting the amount of wearer blinks, boosting a keeper's anticipation levels. So there, there are all the Swiss goalies all wearing these dark glasses. Not during the game. Not during the game, no, obviously. <laughs> really, Japanese cool. company Vision Up, I give them a bit of a plug, yeah. have manufactured the glasses, which are selling at an eye-watering 350 quid. We're only mm. playing goal once a year. I think, I think I might invest in them. Um, do you know how they work scientifically? Oh, God, I don't really. No. <laughs> so they slow everything down? Yeah. Okay. So they, yes. Maybe that's what Jordan Pickford's been wearing. <laughs> It's completely slowed him down for the better, isn't it? Taking a bit of edge out of his game. Good thing, really. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Our next guest managed to be uh, the very worst bully in a prison movie, and that takes some doing. (laughs) It is actor James Nelson Joyce. Hi, James. Hello, boys. Hello. Good. Yeah, it was. It's a it, congratulations. It was a great performance by you, as as all were cast. Uh, as you know, you're working with brilliant writing, and it, it's uh, it is a really powerful bit of telly. You must be very proud of it. Yeah, loved it. It was a, a fantastic opportunity. I've always wanted to work with Jimmy McGovern, um, because I do believe he's our best writer by by a thousand miles. And then working with Stevie and Sean and. Jack McMullen and everyone. It, it is like playing at Anfield with Stevie Gerrard and Carriage, you know what I mean? It's a bit of a yeah, I mean, um, your character is the kind of he's 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 the bully to uh, to the newbie Sean Bean, isn't he? He's the kind of young bully. He's just trying to mark out his own territory in the prison. But he's he's a he's an awful character. I mean, in the end, we won't give too much away. But there's no kind of redemption moment particularly for him, is there? No, no, he's certainly not someone you want your daughter to bring home. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Do you like playing characters like this? Most actors say they do. Yeah, I do. I just, I love my job. I've got the best job in the world. I, uh, when you're given an opportunity like that and the writing's so good, you just do it. And I don't know why I get cast for these bad boy roles because I'm nothing like that. But <laughs> uh, it 
it's just great fun. It, it, you're doing things I would never have, I would never be able to do. So exploring that is pretty cool. Yeah, you're doing a comedy next with Stephen Merchant, though. So I take that's a bit of a change of pace, is it? It's a change of pace, but once again, I'm uh, not the nicest of people. But there is comedy <laughs> to it, so it, it makes it it more easier to watch, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, your story's interesting one, isn't it? It was a kind of chance meeting with Stephen Graham in a Nando's and, and, and Stephen's wife, who's in uh, time as well, that, that kind of yeah. turned things around for you. And he's, he's, he's kind of put a sort of paternal arm around you. They both have, actually. But it's yeah, paternal and paternal ever since. Yeah, yeah, like Stevie's the man. I was a bit awestruck because he's like a god, especially to like most young Scouse actors. And I remember just seeing him and I didn't want to go over and fangirl and be like, <laughs> I didn't want to be that person to get in the Nando's, do you know what I mean? Mm. But anyway, I plucked up the courage and just said uh, how much I admire him and how inspiring he is and whatnot. And then I went to let you have your dinner. Like, I went and sat back down and then five, ten minutes later, Hannah comes over and she just goes, here's my email, let me know whenever you're in stuff and we'll keep an eye out. And I just was like, oh, amazing, cool. And then I'd do bit parts and, you know, day player parts and whatnot. And I, I never wanted to be that person to bug them. Mm. Like, oh, please watch me in this. Can you see me in that? And then when we done Little Boy Blue, we were doing the uh, the, the read. You all sit around the table and do a table read. And I can feel his eyes burning in my head and it's Stevie and I look up and he goes, oh, that lad from Nando's. I went, yeah. He just <laughs> gave me the thumbs up and a little. And then he's just been great, but he is like that with everyone. He's he's really generous and like just a proper boss fella, really. is amazing of an actor he is and he's probably, Brit well, he is Britain's best actor in my opinion. Yeah. He's an even better person. No, absolutely. He's... Um... You're a big football fan as well, aren't you? I, I see that you you did harbour, um, you know. I, I thought I heard you say you wanted to be a football, but then you know the thing that let you down is you weren't quite good enough. <laughs> I oh, that's no, true I was of awful. <laughs> yeah, I'm still awful. I was never good enough then. Yeah, like Liverpool's my religion. Mm. That is what gets me through the week and certainly COVID. And yeah, Jurgen Klopp. What a man. I'd marry him tomorrow. <laughs> well, it's interesting, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Jordan Henderson saying, you know, he's had a bit of a dialogue with Jurgen Klopp's been sending him sort of emojis and, and you know, he, he, he thinks that things have changed because of the amount of German influence and stuff we see in the in the Premier League now. You know, a lot yeah. different from the previous games between Germany and England. And you see more German players in the Premiership. Like, mm. you look at what Gundogan done for City last season. You look at Havertz winning Chelsea, that Champions League. There is a massive German influence at the moment. And I just think, I mean, me personally, I'm not the biggest England fan. I couldn't be, if I'm being really honest, I'm mm. very fortunate to support Liverpool and I get to see success with that. I guess for a lot of people, when they watch England, they pin the hopes and dreams on seeing silverware with England. And I, I don't know what it is. I just don't have that thing with England. But to see Henderson play for England and win this Euros, it'd be amazing. But yeah, when it comes to the German-English rivalry, it doesn't feel as hot. It doesn't feel like there's that heat at the moment. No. I don't know. Scotland felt more to me 
Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, yeah. I agree with that. And Liverpool themselves, <clears throat> I think it's fascinating how it's going to go next season because though they had a tricky season, they still finished third. They still had a, finished with a brilliant run, yeah. didn't they? And, mm. uh, and they will get players back. But then if you look at City, if you look at the opposition, you know, if City signed Kane and Grealish, then Liverpool are going to have to do something, aren't they, really? Well, I, I was in a good mood until I saw Grealish going to... <laughs> <laughs> Because he, he was one, like, I was gutted when he lost Genie. I don't think there's anyone Liverpool can sign to fill his boots. Genie Wijnaldum is, he, he's never injured, always gives at least 7 out of 10 every week. You can rely on him week in, week out, and I just don't know where Liverpool are going to fill that position. Hmm. Um, doesn't give the ball away. You look at the Holland games and he's scoring goals for fun. He has that in his locker as well. He can place a load of different roles for Liverpool. And I don't know where you're going to find that player. So now that I'm seeing City are going to get Grealish, who I would have liked to come, I'm just a bit like a, a bum. Big Virgil back next season. Yeah. The treble's on. That'll make a big difference. <laughs> Finally, one of your future projects, you're playing Bez in a Happy yeah. Mondays film. So have you have you got the you got the dancing uh, off pat? You you happy with it? It's coming out in the shower. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a fun part. What does Bez make of that? Have you had a chat, um, had a ch- chat with him? Yeah, he, he, we got invited to a gig in Camden <clears> and then we went backstage and met him. And I can't say exactly what he said live on air, <laughs> but it was about me being a scouser and him being a manker. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was cool. It was, he's, he's a really cool fella. Good stuff. Well, it's been good to talk to you, James. Uh, continue success with the career and uh, and well done on time. I think it probably it's greater than any drink driving campaign. They should put it on at Christmas. I think it's a you know it's sobering, literally a sobering program from that point of view. Apart from it as a bit of drama. So well done. Good to talk to you. Uh, thank you very much for your time, boys. There Take we care. are, James. Have a uh, there we are. And you, uh, mm. James Nelson Joyce, their uh, actor. And go and, if you haven't seen Time, it's still on the iPlayer. It's a, it's a, a fantastic three-part series. If You'll have a bit of time, a little downtime next week after this stage, and you can, you can take it in. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. They should play this tune as the players come onto the pitch. It'd be quite nice for all the anthems. <laughs> be good. good. Very good idea. Anyway, it's the music, of course, that signals the arrival of uh, squad number nine, uh, our man on uh, sport on TV, Martin Kellner. Good afternoon, Martin. Yeah, very good afternoon to you, boys. You all right? Yes, we're oh, pretty yes. good. Thank yeah. you, uh, Martin. Yeah, good, and, good. Um, so uh, there's been a fair bit of sport on this week for you to take in, I would imagine, on TV. <laughs> yeah. A fair bit. I mean, I, there's been obviously the football. I don't know whether anybody's mm. mentioned the football. They haven't mm. talked sport. They've touched them. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's been going on. But I thought I'd do a little experiment before coming on the air this afternoon. And that is to see, because it's sort of you're, you're bereft at the moment in that yeah. uh, there was no, no matches yesterday, no matches today. Mm. And you think in normal circumstances, two days without football, it's hardly a famine. But at the moment, because of the, you know, yeah, because true. of the group stages, of any major tournament, if you like football, are the best time of all. And until the next World Cup, and then, you know, who knows, Qatar and all that, what it's going to be like and what time these matches are going to be on. I mean, somebody knows, obviously, it's not me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the so that beautiful phase of match at 5 o'clock, match at 8 o'clock, match at 2 o'clock, you know, in the, yeah. uh, in the early stages, that's gone. So I had a, a, a sort of whiz round with the remote 
note just a couple of minutes ago mm. to see what was on. Live events, European Tour Golf um, was on, but yeah. then you had the US Open last weekend, and it's always a bit sort of after the Lord Mayor's show, I think, mm. that. Mm. I may be wrong, I'm not a massive golf fan. Um, there's a repeat of the T20 against um, yeah, Sri Lanka. That's what that we've got on at the good, moment. Mm, wasn't a great wasn't game to be really honest. Really worth watching no. that one. <laughs> no, precisely. They look a bit uh, rubbish to me, Sri Lanka. But mm. there you go. Um, on BT Sport, you could watch uh, Badminton Unlimited. Really? Which the uh, yeah, yeah that's come a, on that for that. That sounds like is... a lot of badminton, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I prefer I prefer my badminton limited. I don't know about you, Martin. <laughs> yes, I think limited you might about be wrong half there. an hour of highlights. <laughs> With respect yeah. to Gail Ems and others listening this afternoon. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, Badminton Limited, which is trailed us, catch up on all the latest news and information from the world of badminton. Yeah, wow. And I just wonder how much news and information there could be. I think, in fairness, it only lasts about uh, an hour. That, is uh, it the latest thing. in uh, Shuttlecock <laughs> development? Have they got that on there? <laughs> <laughs> they probably do. They probably yeah. do. I suspect it's going to be a bit like golf, you know, golf clubs these days. They're all, um, you know, they're all designed so you can golf better than you did before. Oh, okay. And I should yeah. think the same thing applies to Shuttle yeah, okay. I would have thought. You're just Again, making I'm not it up, aren't you, Mark? You've got no knowledge yeah, of that. No <laughs> knowledge. Uh, on Sky uh, Sports, there's a Spurs-Burnley match from 2021. Yeah. It's just uh, Great. The season's wow. just gone. Oh, yeah. Delhi Ali, he's going to. Be- <laughs> Delhi Ali was—he's going to be brilliant for England. Yeah, um, he, he was great this match. Uh, they were winning four 0 I switched off at, at that point, mm. um, but mm. you probably remember the match. Yes, uh, Kane yeah. was playing very well, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was really good. So that, they're, they're, uh, they're the alternatives. Otherwise, it is sort of <laughs> countdown, is it? And uh, Father Brown and stuff like that, is it? Or they're all on. <laughs> no, not so much Father Brown. Uh, Murder, she wrote, isn't running at the moment, I don't think. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what is running at the moment, <laughs> oh, uh, Frazier. Oh, and, okay, yeah. uh, there sort of seems to be an inexhaustible supply of Frasiers because there's like three on every morning on uh, Channel 4 <laughs> and they just keep on going. Whether well, I'm just watching the same ones again, <laughs> yeah. I haven't quite realised. <laughs> but there does seem, you know, you sort of think to yourself, if there's a nuclear explosion... All that's going to be left is cockroaches and episodes of Frasier, because there are millions of them out Magic there. combination, um, yeah. Indeed. Um, but I have been watching a bit of the Euros, mm. obviously. Um, I did enjoy the um, the Scotland match against uh, Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. yeah, very, very good. Oh, Croatia dear. turned out to be not a bad team, actually. <laughs> right. uh, after every, I just, no, none of them apologised. No pundits. They all, you know, before the Scotland match, they all said, oh, they're, you know, they're past their best. Mm. Um, and, of course... Um, Modric, useless these days, um, which turned out not to be true at all, and nobody uh, nobody apologised for that. But I did like Ali McCoy. Ali McCoy's been a big star at this. I know oh, yeah, he's he is our. Yeah. He is our colleague, but mm. virtually anybody you talk to and you mm. ask who the best pundit is, this, these Euros, and they will say Andy, Ali McCoy's. Yeah. And I did enjoy his intro where he did a little uh, train spotting thing. Uh, choose law, choose Dalgleish, choose Scotland, always. It's a good, <laughs> good little piece it was. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy Roy Keane? I mean, Roy Keane, uh, when, the, the, when he said, he, talking about the players about to go into self-isolation, yes, and he said, I, did um, enjoy that. I can't understand why you would want to speak <laughs> to the opposition for 20 minutes anyway. Anyway, yeah. you know, Any, yeah. anyone he actually said, I said, yeah. I rarely speak to anyone for more he, he, than five minutes. He said he were players who grew up together. He said he barely gave his wife five minutes, didn't he? Yes, said. he playing, did say playing, that. I think the thing about Ali, Ali McCoy is he gets the balance right between being funny, being a yeah. fan, and being a pro, and it's quite a hard thing to yeah. do, and he just oh, does it, it so well. 
It is. Um, and the, a friend of mine who was a producer in TV says the important thing is to look pleased to be there. Whether you need to look quite as pleased to be there as Micah Richards, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> he's, but he's, watch... he's enjoying so, it. I think you know. Oh, think he's really he's, enjoying he's it. Really, I think by you know, and by you know, by didn't that you enjoy it as well? He's, mm. He is good value, I think. Yes, he is good value. Mm. Um, so forget that. But he's, uh, <laughs> Wait, have I just no. scrubbed out? A, have I just scrubbed out a complete hatchet job on Michael Richards? No, you it's not. I wasn't going to. I wouldn't do that because no, it, it is a good point. He mm. he is enjoying it, mm. and uh, I've been watching these match of the day things he does with uh, Gary Lineker and yes, yeah, uh, Alan Shearer. Those. Yeah, where they do the top ten, this, mm, the top ten, that. Yeah. But you've only got to mention old football, you know, from the old days, yeah. and uh, he absolutely goes. Into paroxysms of mirth, he's almost yeah. sort of laying on the floor, kicking his legs up in the air. <laughs> It's—I uh, mean, he really, he really does not. He's got a good he laugh. Was... He would have been the great if you were recording a sitcom. He'd been great oh, in the front row, wouldn't he? Uh, totally. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, you want yeah. um, Jose less so. Jose, oh yeah, Jose, yeah, Jose's, uh, yeah, he's, he smiled. Laura got him laughing the other day when he was oh, talking good. about half of his trophy cabinet. Now and again, you get he, yeah. he cracks, oh, no, a, he can be really he cracks funny. a grin, doesn't he? But uh, he does. Well, interesting. He remembers that's... his left spurs. He has a big <laughs> beaming smile on his face. Uh, have they got a new manager yet? No, no. But, they're just they're taking their time, Martin. They're going to it's... wait to the middle of the season. I think we'll see how we're getting on in December. <laughs> <laughs> but in this uh, this Burnley match I was just watching, they were winning four nil, and mm. he was smiling quite broadly. They, oh. you know, they had a shot of him oh. uh, smiling, oh, so he does okay, well. occasionally. I've also been watching the uh, tennis from Eastbourne. I know you're not huge tennis fans, no. Um, no. but uh, some of it's been very good. And the thing is, you do watching these pre-Wimbledon uh, grass court tournaments, mm. you do get a bit of a handle on what might happen at Wimbledon. So you're watching and it for betting purposes, Martin. No, you're not watching it. You're not watching it for the. <laughs> Joy of watching tennis from Eastbourne, are you? Not at all, not at all. Although I do like the Eastbourne thing right. because you can hear the the goals in the background. You know, mm. you can hear so you get that seaside feel. Oh, nice. So you hear all those goals, and I, the only thing I can think of is I pity those poor people who left their car in the car park. Yeah, because they're, you know, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. And they're going to have to get it, take it, get cleaned, aren't they, Martin? That's what you're hinting at. Valid, valid, valid. I do like the fact that uh, obviously there's very few. Uh, British players, there's a couple of the, uh, the ones. That, the one at Eastbourne this week is the women's tournament. The week yeah. before was uh, Queens, mm. um, but Queens. I did spot uh, a guy, and I've backed him at twenty to one. All right, um, because he's got a fantastic Matteo Berrettini. He's called right. Matteo Berrettini. Um, he did actually win uh, Queens, um, although I didn't watch the final. I think he won it, but um, I was watching <laughs> him in the. Uh, <laughs> Should be doing our sports <laughs> bulletin. Yeah. Well, well, we think I didn't watch the final. We think he won it. Yeah, I think just he just won. Well, he won. You can check it up. There's Google these days. Yeah, What's the matter with you? Yeah, um, yeah, a click, and you'll know if <laughs> yeah, you won yeah. it. I you, think, uh, pretty, if you, pretty if you sure win, you can spend your money on Andy Murray's non-fungible token. Yeah, have you heard about this? Non-fungible tokens. Uh, yeah. I can't get my head around non-fungible <laughs> tokens because no. you own it, and yet you don't own it. If you want to see that winning shot from Wimbledon, it's there still. It's not disappeared off YouTube or anything, but somebody else allegedly owns it, but they don't own the copyright. And I really can. Do either of you two boys know what fungible token? Well, we, somebody explained it to us, but I think uh, we, we slightly glazed over. We did our best, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's a quite a difficult concept to get that your head around, really isn't it? It's in the Bitcoin it's, envelope, isn't it? Yeah, it it, it is kind of um, maybe yeah, even very more much so. I have no idea, but that. 
Yeah, just say blockchain. It makes you sound like you yeah. know you're talking blockchain. about blockchain. Could they are, Martin? Yeah. They're not the only one who agrees with you. Could Matteo Berrettini be Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer's biggest threat at Grand Slam? Um, well, I got it at Euro twenty to one, and it's now fourteen to one. And don't forget, last week I uh, tipped England Scotland to draw. Um, you're on you did. fire, Martin. Yeah, yeah. So what, what will happen? What will happen uh, in the England Germany, Germany game next week? <laughs> yeah, what are we going well, for? I think there's a bit of pressure being put on the uh, you know because there is no football, certainly no football involving England until tomorrow, or no football until tomorrow. That you know, all you can talk about. I and mean, we'll watch Sky Sports News affair, but all you can talk about is really the match on Tuesday. Mm. And uh, I just think that. I, but I'm tipping for that match a draw and England to win on penalties. Oh, I just be, think that would be beautiful. That would be sweet, it? That mm. would be lovely. Uh, we can confirm that um, uh, <laughs> Matteo Berrettini yeah. did win. He beat uh, yes. Great Britain's. Cameron Norrie. Cameron Norrie, yeah, mm. who's um, yeah not got on the uh, Olympic team, interestingly. Oh, OK. Despite well, getting to quite the tennis so expert, apart from the outcome of tournaments. Oh, now, well, Martin... That clash with the football match. <laughs> the the, the producer said enough tennis. Yeah, there, so, um, Martin, you're back overnight uh, on the, in, your, in your, the, the big overnight show. The big show. The big and show, uh, yeah. what's coming up tonight, do you know, or...? Well, I sort of know half of the stuff that's uh, coming up. We're obviously going to be sort of looking ahead to the uh, to the England match, like everybody else, putting more yep. pressure on uh, England. Not that they'll be up at one o'clock in the morning. St. George's. <laughs> they might be. I mean, I mean with that much pressure, you'd be of an insomniac. You may have half the England team listening tonight. Harold, <laughs> Carrie Grant, and stuff. That'd be good. Oh, well, that'd be wonderful. So, one a.m. Um, to six a.m. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, Martin, we look forward to it. Thanks very much. Excellent. Cheers, boys. Martin Kellner there. He will be back, as he said, from 1am uh, tonight into tomorrow, etc., etc., uh, for the next two nights. Uh, and it's a, a fight. It's got, it has a cult listenership, as oh, shows does, at that time of night. Mm. Insomniacs, lorry drivers, cabbies, they're, they're, they're all part of Martin's gang, as often happens with a, with a fine overnight show. So, uh, yeah, go and check it out if you can't sleep. It's is that a good thing? The way is that was that a good advert? Please check it out if you can't sleep. Yeah, I'm not sure I've done Martin any favours there. No, check no. it out anyway. Listen yeah. back. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again on Monday. Uh, we'll continue to build up to Germany. We'll know if Wales are through, won't we? Yeah. We'll know where we stand oh, a bit yeah. more after the weekend. It'll be exciting if they get through. Brilliant. Okay. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch up with you. On Monday from 1. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.